Hi, you're listening to Before You Go. I'm your host, Kalia. Thank you for tuning in. It's currently Easter Sunday, so happy Easter to you all. I hope you are enjoying what looks like glorious sunshine and that you've been indulging in ample amounts of chocolate. I know I have, and that's not going to help me, so hopefully Chloe Ting will. Anywho, I'm just going to quickly do my usual and check in and tell you about my day. It's been a super slow day. Um, I've been child-free, but I'm going to go and... um, commune with the fam uh, in a in a tick I do have a special guest with me today and it is a guest that I have actually had some requests for so I'm going to introduce my guest who is looking at me like I'm stealing from her okay so my guest is none other than oh we got a drum roll the formidable what's my sis <laughs> tumbleweed Tumble, uh, honestly so hi hi so cool to have you once again oh thank you sister so lovely to be in your presence with this wonderful wonderful glorious sunday yeah yeah i mean originally the whole podcast idea was supposed to be this double act where you joined me okay, we were we drinking don't do, we, don't do we were okay we did it's okay okay so we're just gonna yeah we we gonna move we gonna move, we gonna move. <laughs> right let me introduce today's topic so it's, the title of today's episode is called dare to dream and um i was having a few really really good conversations just about the power um of curiosity you know and dreaming and imagination and how we're often you know um encouraged to divorce some of our wildest dreams we might have an idea that sounds so insane that it's scary and rather than being encouraged to pursue it we're often discouraged be it by family members or maybe even you know as young children you know we're told oh no you can't do that or how can someone like you have a job like da 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 so my first question anyway for you because I'm going to explain why I've picked you but let's just go into it um what was your dream job as a child or what did you aspire to be when you were much much younger so I'd say that there's three three things that I've wanted to do from really young so when I was really really young um I wanted to be a ballerina really yeah twinkle toes I don't know and then um, I heard negative things about like you can injure your feet or something when you're a ballerina because your 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 shoes have a block on it oh yes yeah um so yeah and I just I think it was just I don't know for me I just saw ballerinas and they just looked so elegant and girly and 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 just I liked that but then obviously, like, our, our background, our proximity to that type of thing was just... Being black, being Nigerian. Yeah, and having South a London. mum that just doesn't... The arts wasn't something that... She, okay, so I'm not going to agree to that, because I feel like for her different children, she was slightly different. Mum didn't... She didn't believe in the arts. I think when she got to you, <laughs> she just felt... That I might as well give in. Yeah. She, she stopped I thought she from, actually from, from believed from in my talents 
Yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, if that's, if that's what you want to believe, then... My heart is broken on Easter um, Sunday. Go and ahead. then, from when I was really young, I just remember, like, mum saying... Like, I remember when there was, like, a health visitor that came around and they asked me, what do I want to be when, I was, when I'm older? Um, or when I grow up, is what they say to kids. And then my mum said, she's going to be a solicitor. So in my mind, it was just, I'm going to be a solicitor. Like, really? Like, is that how that came about? I didn't even know what that was. I oh just my said, God. I'm going to be a solicitor. But then aside from that, a passion I had on my own was, um, like, um, acting and drama and stuff like that. To which um, you are really, really talented. You do have a knack for it, I must say. Um, and that I pursued to a, to a certain extent. And then it got to the stage where I, I know that... So in my mind, I know that uh, a career in the arts isn't necessarily profitable. It can be if you get your really big break, but sometimes there's like a lot of in-between periods and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's a case of finding something solid. So that's why I'd say mum kind of stuff, okay, yeah, if you want to be acting, cool, but that's not going to be your main thing. That's mm-hmm, going to be your mm-hmm. thing on the side. You've got to find something else. And then obviously because I've always heard that I'm going to be a solicitor, I just thought, yeah. So would you say that it wasn't actually your thing, like it was given to you? Or did you, once finding out what it meant, think, actually, this is something that I would want to yeah, do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think initially just the the name solicitor and that, I, I didn't get it. I didn't know what that was, but I just knew it was something that my mum liked and she said I should be, so I'm, I'm going to do it. Um, and then obviously, like, you get older, you watch shows, you, and, and obviously, like, the law and what you see on TV is completely different yeah especially american tv yeah, yeah yeah and even yeah so yeah and even the stuff in like based on the uk and stuff it's it, it's it's not it's not all like that if that makes sense um so yeah so 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 seeing tv programs and all of that kind of thing kind of made me feel like yeah, yeah i, I can do this, this i want to be this lawyer like do you know what i mean so yeah okay i had no idea not going on what it was like Okay, so my so she's obviously revealed what she does for a living. So my sister's a solicitor, and the reason why I felt it really important to have this conversation with someone like her is because she has actually had to dare to dream. So there are some dreams that you know you have, and there's no daring about it because it's maybe something that comes to you with ease or something that you enjoy so much that it doesn't necessarily feel like a challenge to go ahead and pursue it. I mean, there are some things that you enjoy and they still present challenge when you want to pursue it. But in line with what she wanted to do and what she does do, I'm very aware of the various challenges and obstacles that probably would have presented themselves as like barriers or deterrence mm-hmm. in terms of pursuing the dream. So the question that I want to ask you yeah. is like, what steps did you take towards like, actualizing your dream of being a solicitor like what was one of the first steps that you took and did you feel did you feel supported taking it um so yeah I get, so i say the first step was um so yeah at, at um college I thought so generally when I was applying to colleges and stuff I applied to SFX and I applied to Richmond and Richmond you could do a law course yeah um so I thought that that's what you needed to do but then the 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 college that I wanted to go to 
like 100% was SFX and they didn't do law there right so I was just like okay I'll do all these other courses and mm-hmm. that will lead me to actually studying law at uni which would be the, the, the first step so the first step then was applying to uni for, for law degree um, and getting on the law course and um, yeah that was that was yeah to be honest that like, I've been I've been quite academic like so got good GCSEs um, AS levels were, were decent or good mm-hmm. um, and then a, um, when I when I finished like so the complete A level yeah the complete A level like I just bombed my exams it, it wasn't it wasn't great no so, it happens to the best of us yeah I was watching too much um, Big Brother and that's that's the reason why I it's just, yeah, I just, I just wasn't <laughs> focusing. I was watching too much TV at that time. So, yeah, so I feel like that is what kind of put me on the back foot in terms of, like, um, feeling like you're able. So, for example, going through uh, secondary school, mm-hmm. um, college, and being quite fine, being quite good, okay, and then not doing well in your um, your your overall grades yeah. as you're going into uni and stuff, and then knowing that you're going to be going into a course that is quite intense and quite difficult, kind of makes you feel like, oh, is this the right thing that I'm doing? But I, I got in. To... And I assume quite intimidating simply because it's quite a competitive field as well, isn't it? Yes, it is quite competitive. But to be honest, I think I went into it quite naive. Um, so I didn't. So for example, um, and and people do this now and and I I wasn't like this I just believed that you go to uni and that's it you become a lawyer I didn't know that there were all these steps after the the extracurriculars the extra stuff that you needed to do and also because um, we just hadn't had any lawyers in our family I didn't know any lawyers Um, there was really no one to talk to or to guide me through the process so I was kind of just figuring out things Mm-hmm. Um, and also the uni that I went to they weren't that great in terms of like guiding you and telling yeah. you like, all the next steps type thing so but, in terms of being supported that wasn't no not really not really I'd say like throughout during the course so there was one particular um, lecturer I did was like my first piece of coursework and like generally I do really well in like written pieces and stuff and whatever I submitted it like got 40% or something something done and she just wrote like obviously I think you're dyslexic go and take a test and that was the wow. f- yeah that was the first so yeah that was the first it's, it's first time and um, took the test and they were quite supportive in that sense and then as soon as I got like the uh Okay, so the results of yeah, so the results of the yeah. test where you were dyslexic. I am dyslexic, yeah. So um, and then from then on, it, it was it was great. Like I got the extra time, I got like all the benefits of, of being supported, which I never had. And I'm going to comment on that because obviously I'm a primary school teacher, yeah. and I find it insane yeah. that you sailed through primary school, yeah, secondary school, college, yeah. and only got diagnosed. Well, my, it, my god well my drama teacher in college thought I was dyslexic oh I hated her because, how because <laughs> sorry there was guys a, there, was a, there was a play that we were doing and there was a Mr and Mrs 
and I was always the missus when we were reading the lines but every single time the mister's lines would come up I would just read it just I would always just read his lines and then she pulled me to the side she was like Clara I think you're dyslexic because you keep on thinking that mister is you when it's not in your missus and I was looking at her like what are you talking about oh wow I did the I did the assessment at um and it wasn't really a proper assessment. It was just somebody that gives you, the, that just yes. fills it out first to see whether it's worth sending you. Um, and her reaction was just like, no, you're not dyslexic. You just need to read. Wow. So, so, so dismissive. Yeah. So yeah. But yeah. So at uni, once I got the diagnosis, then you got the support. Yeah. It was, it was okay. So that's you know obviously part of why I've decided to have this conversation with you because you know doing a course and pursuing a career you know in law with something that could be considered a hurdle you know the amount of reading you'd have to do for law itself and then to be dyslexic like it must be so intimidating and overwhelming at times knowing that you're sitting a test just like everyone else who doesn't have that struggle in a sense you know so my other question that I was going to ask you was just about some of the obstacles and, and hurdles and what was the hardest part in this journey because I know right before you landed your training contract you discovered you were going to be a mum yeah, yeah. Right, just as soon as you got it right yes yeah, yeah, so I got it and then two years later or a year later I was going to start my training contract and when I was about to start my training contract that's when I found out I was, I was pregnant so yeah so what's what's been the hardest moment so there have been various obstacles that presented themselves some you know not exactly obstacles but you know come along and made things slightly harder what do you say has been the hardest moment trying to pursue your dream yeah I think it's people's perception to dyslexia um, and like what your real overall ability is so for a long time so I actually didn't tell so I worked at the place that I got my training contract where I eventually trained to be a solicitor um, I worked there as a paralegal and I never once told them that I was dyslexic wow. it's only when I went for the assessment um, uh, so I applied and stuff to get the, the yeah, I, I, I did the application yeah. and then when I got to the assessment stage that's when I thought you know you're going to be a little bit out of your depth like you know that you, you need the extra time to do the the reading elements of the assessment to just tell them. So I told them and they were like shocked. They're just like, why the hell haven't you told yeah. us this before? Oh like, and they kind of felt like, okay, they, they kind of, I, I think they went over and beyond then because they thought, okay, yeah, if something goes wrong here and she comes around and says, oh, you know, I'm dyslexic, right. they just didn't want a lawsuit. Um, so yeah, so um, I think, yeah, but so, so after then disclosing it, it's now when you're in the workplace, and you're working with people that are so old and ancient in their understanding of what dyslexia is mm-hmm. and, and how it impacts people. Because dyslexia, there's, there's people... It's deal a spectrum, with it. isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, like, I, I have it. Um, I've been able to function um, with it. And, uh, and I've been able to, you know, function and people not know that I have it. But it is a huge challenge. Mm-hmm. Like being able to produce work that is 100% knowing that you can't see your spelling mistakes um <laughs> you, oh my like, God. You, you literally cannot like I can't, yeah like honestly like it's I remember as I, I made this tweet like a few years ago but during my training contract and I was just like the the effort that it takes to produce something that is error free when you're dyslexic 
it, it, you, you just don't understand. Like the amount of times I have to read over the same thing just to be sure. And, and, and then even then, it's not that like you're going to see it. Because, even, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so, so I think yeah, and it, it's that. It's it's just the amount of effort that it takes into producing something that is the same standard as somebody that is just yeah. able. Um, but then also people's perception as to like what dyslexia is and how it affects you. Um, so there was one partner; she has a dyslexic son. Um, so when she had to, they, they told all the partners, well, I got the training contract and they, they disclosed it to all the partners that I was there. And one partner that I know that I hadn't really worked closely with, but she ran up to me and she was like, I'm so proud of you, Clara, like you've done this achievement because I've got a son, he's dyslexic, and I just understand how difficult it is. Yeah. And I was just like, for the first time, okay, someone, someone recognises it. Yeah, yeah, someone gets it. But others will kind of be like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to give her that work because she's dyslexic, but that means she can't do it. Wow. Like, no, I can do it. It just means give me maybe extra a, time a little, and some yeah, support even. Yeah. So, but yeah, that, yeah, it's people's it's perception. Right. Wow. Okay. So you've kind of touched on where I was going to go next. Okay, so, no, no, it's fine. <laughs> so being a mum. Yeah. This is where we, we can both have chin wags and whatnot because <laughs> I'm now a mum. <laughs> but so, okay. So we, we've grown up, like you mentioned, mum for you and, you know, our older sister maybe wasn't as encouraging with the arts. And for those of you who don't know us from Adam, I went to drama school for uni, I played guitar, I got a piano, I got to do literally anything that I wanted to do that was quite artistic. My mum would drop me off to the roller disco and then come and get me at 3am. She used to take me to studio sessions across London to record music. So obviously we have a very different understanding and experience of my mum. So obviously like when you heard what she said, I was just like, ah, who? Because that hasn't been my story. Anyhow, we're both parents and I am really interested in, you know, the power of you know, curiosity and wonder and, and how excellent, you know, it can be to really investigate your imagination. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that is cultivated in childhood yeah. because when we get older, we become more self-conscious, we become more aware of ourselves. We, we become more careful. Like, I remember how dumb I used to be when I was little and I could jump off any ledge, wasn't afraid of heights, didn't care for anything, would leave the house wearing some kind of shirt. Yeah. <laughs> A story that we will get to on another day. But like you get older and you just you like you 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 become more, you know, aware. Yeah, and just closed off and you don't really want to investigate your 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 thoughts and your feelings and your imagination. So what would you say like you do as a mother to encourage, you know, and, and inspire awe and wonder and curiosity in, in your son's life? Um, so, yeah, so Isaac, he's, like, still quite young. Um, and it's funny because I want... Yeah, it's, it's crazy because I want, I want to be that uh, parent that drives the academia side of things. And I really, like, but I just, I just feel like... He's just, I, I, and I've seen other parents do it, like they do loads of stuff with their kids and I just know like, I've, I've tried it with him and it just doesn't, it doesn't work, he, he, he's just not into it, um, he's more into just, he, I, what I've noticed about him, he, he loves reading, he loves Im- imaginative play and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, so um, 
that, that's what I, and I kind of feel like, okay, maybe he's going down the track of being someone that's going to be more creative and expressive, and he does love drawing, but yeah, but that's what he loves, so, so I'm trying to kind of draw that out of him and, and do more of that, but I still feel like I don't really know yet. Because he's so young, what he really likes. You know, some yeah. people's parents are just like, oh, my, my, my daughter or my son loves singing or an yeah. instrument. And I, he likes loads of things. And it's kind of just figuring out, okay, which one is he, does he like Yeah, the definitely. Most? But you're, pre- you're preparing opportunities yeah. and creating environments for him to explore that. So for me, like with my daughter, I'm so big on her environment being interactive, yeah. being colourful and yeah. inspiring, you know, her imagination. Yeah. I've noticed she's got a knack for like painting and drawing and, and stuff to that effect. So I'm trying because yeah. I am a little bit of an OCD type person when it comes to paint and yeah. muck. But I'm trying to let go of that so yes. I don't restrict her. Um, but it is a little bit difficult because I feel like as the adults with insight... We know how cruel this world can be. We know that even if you do like doing a star jump, there's probably 50 people who want to do a star jump and who's going to get money doing a star jump. And, you know, you want the best for your children. But I guess as we grow as parents, it's about learning how to navigate and toe the line between being supportive and creating these environments for exploration, but also providing that safety net so they also have, you know, tools. Because I know that there are some parents who are on the complete opposite realm who you know their child is playing in soil all day and can't spell their name and is going to start school on the back foot so I think balance is the key and I I think what I'm trying to work out as well what the balance is because I don't want to be that parent that you know every Saturday for six hours we're doing uh, maths we're doing English and we're doing that and then there's no because t- like my, my husband basically he basically said he hated learning growing up because that's all he did oh, he wasn't was... allowed to play oh no so he just doesn't he doesn't he doesn't like it and that's like during the lockdown yeah. when I was trying to do that whole homeschooling thing with like a three-year-old at the time um yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> it wasn't called um it was quite difficult and I was just like okay I don't want to get to the stage where I start scarring him at this young age oh like because I, I could see myself going into that African mum mode of like you don't know this okay like, so can I give an, an alternative perspective not even alternative in that yeah. sense but I have been a mum and all I've known is lockdown so as she's been growing it's been lockdown yeah. and it's only so I haven't really been around other mums you know those baby and mum groups and yeah, stuff yeah. I haven't had a chance to go to those really interact and yeah. you know have her around people it's only now when I'm around other parents and I hear how I speak to my daughter I'm just like oh my god am I too like am I too much like do I, am I demanding too much of her or should I take time so it's, it's yeah. a learning curve because now that you're saying that I'm thinking I hope this child does not grow up saying I remember mum forcing me to recite my flashcards because there was a time I was doing that every day no but if she likes that so for example like Isaac you could do it with him all of 10 minutes and he's done he's he's not he's not doing it for any any longer than that he's not he's not interested like like if I make it fun and make it a game but the minute he realises she's trying to teach me something it's like no I want to play like this is long um so yeah I think it's it's about knowing what because there's some kids that absolutely love learning and yeah 
play. Okay, so with, with my daughter, she's she likes it. I think where I'm catching myself now is that there are times where, we're, you know, we're going through the flashcards. She is quite clever for her age. I'm a teacher. I can say that. I'm not one of those parents yeah, who are yeah. just assuming. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, but then she'll be like, oh, I want to jump or I want to go yeah. on the trampoline or whatever. And I'm just like, four more words. <laughs> like, you sit down. <laughs> like, we're not done yet. So maybe I need to take the hint. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. So... Overall, I think we're I think we're saying the same thing. Yeah, we need no, to, course, yeah, you know. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I always end with a quote. I know I didn't think we were going to come to an end just yet. Oh no, I thought you had some more questions. Come oh, on, ask me, bye. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm I'm looking at the time. I've, we've just been wagging chins. Oh, sorry. No, sorry. no, 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 no. This is what we want. This is this is the vibe. This is the energy. But yeah. So obviously, dare to dream being the topic. I did find a quote by a lady called Gloria Steinem and it basically says this without leaps of imagination or dreaming we lose the excitement of possibilities dreaming after all is a form of planning Um, and I just thought that was really really interesting because sometimes we just see dreams as very futile and that they don't have much importance in terms of our futures and to consider dreaming as planning I find so profound like if we can look at a dream and see it as an imprint of what we're trying to achieve in the future and work towards it I think you know we should definitely try as much as we can even if it's people after us like the younger generation or whatnot to just inspire that that perspective of looking at dreams and aspirations not as these fleeting hobbies that you're going to you know enjoy for the first five years of your life or indulge in for a time but it's part of the plan it's part of the building blocks as to how you're going to live a complete and fulfilled life because there are so many people who are you know um wrapped up in professions that they don't enjoy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they're unhappy they may have bank they may have you know access to things but they wake up with dread on a daily basis and there's some people who have found the balance who you know you don't like your job but you know your passion and you've you've held on to that dream since you were a child I don't know many people who find their passion in their 30s most people have always had their passion and maybe they're only able to actualize it in their 30s so just allowing children and um to find that room to be able to identify what it is that they are dreaming of or what excites them or what ignites you know exuberance and passion in them and getting them to just hold on to it like I sometimes look at myself and I can't believe that I'm someone's mom because if it's not me that was only 17 yesterday walking up and down Shoreditch being one sort of night rat in a gold coat and and luminous clothings I'm like how am I someone's mum and I think to be honest we should all be clinging to our youth like I'm a child and I love that obviously I'm serious but I'm a child and and that has helped me like enjoy life like when I can be silly and when I can just I know what I love and I know what I enjoy and when I'm immersed in that like I feel at one with myself anyway so that was that <laughs> absolutely lovely okay so um thank you all for listening um it has been awesome communing with you in virtual space as you know um as always we will reconvene 
Thank you so much for tuning in. I've had so much feedback in the last couple of episodes. People are digging the playlist. So I'm going to update the playlist so you can listen to some of these tunes in your own time. You know, maybe with a glass of wine at leisure. Do your thing. No judgment zone. But thank you so much for being here. And as always, we'll reconnect. Ciao for now. Ciao, Bella.